Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Maura Z, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, August 9th, 2017, and we're reading from the big book. And we are at page 82, paragraph 2, and we will be reading through three paragraphs, ending with the first paragraph on page 83. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. And that was the OA preamble. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry the message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I'll now ask Leslie W. to please read the 12 steps of OA. This is Leslie Leslie W. Thank you. Thank you. This is Leslie W., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Tennessee. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food and that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we'd harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and we were, when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Having had a spiritual awakening, twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message. <clears throat> to other compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service. Thank you, Leslie W., for stepping in. Naomi B., would you please read the 12 traditions? Yes, thank you, Maura. Good morning. This is Naomi B., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater outside Philadelphia. The 12 traditions. One, a common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself and our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted service. They do not govern. 
Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group would never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. These problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contribution. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issue, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communications. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personality. Thank you for allowing me to serve on my prayer. Thank you, Naomi B. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, are one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, and then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book. We're in chapter into action. We're on page 82 and we'll be starting with the second paragraph if we have no such complications. We'll be reading through three paragraphs ending with the first paragraph on page 83 that ends show us the way of patience, tolerance, kindliness, and love. And I will now ask Mary B. to please read for us. Thank you very much, Mara Z. Can you hear me? Clearly, thank you. Great, thank you very much. This is Mary B., gratefully recovered compulsive eater in Central California. If we have no such complication, there is plenty we should do at home. Sometimes we hear an alcoholic say that the only thing he needs to do is to keep sober. Certainly he must keep sober, for there will be no home if he doesn't. But he is yet a long way from making good to the wife or parents, whom for years he has so shockingly treated. Passing all understanding is the patience of mothers and wives, is the patience mothers and wives have had with alcoholics, 
had this not been so, many of us would have no homes today, would perhaps be dead. The alcoholic is like a tornado roaring his way through the lives of others. Hearts are broken. Sweet relationships are dead. Affections have been uprooted. Selfish and inconsiderate habits have kept the home in turmoil. We feel a man is unthinking when he says that sobriety is enough. He's like the farmer who came up out of his cyclone cellar to find his home ruined. To his wife, he remarks, don't see anything the matter here, Ma. Ain't it grand the wind stopped blowing? Yes, there is a long period of reconstruction ahead. We must take the lead. A remorseful mumbling that we are sorry won't fill the bill at all. We ought to sit down with the family and frankly analyze the past as we now see it, being very careful not to criticize them. Their defects may be glaring, but the chances are that our own actions are partly responsible. So we clean house with the family, asking each morning in meditation that our creator show us the way of patience, tolerance, kindliness, and love. Oh my, what a, what a lot um, for me is in these paragraphs. And I'm just going to go through, starting with the first one. Um, my first marriage, um, I was married to a man who was uh, physically and uh, verbally and emotionally abusive. And after our divorce, when I wrote a fearless and thorough moral inventory, he was quite high at the top of my amends list. And I kept telling my sponsor, I just can't make amends. I just kept thinking of his defects and what he did to me. And I, I just couldn't make amends. And she just asked me, are you willing? And I would answer yes. And she just said, ask God to give, uh, give you the opportunity. And I did that. I followed that instruction. And one day my ex called me and invited me to lunch. And at lunch, he said he wanted to make amends to me. Well, that certainly opened the door. And I can tell you that was quite a lunch. But it was so many years ago, I don't remember the words exactly. But we were able to make amends to one another. And um, so God works in that way. Uh, even when I feel I'm not willing to make amends to the other person, that doesn't come up anymore because um, I don't rate them so high on the defect list. Okay, and then the, the next paragraph, the alcoholic is like a tornado roaring his way through the lives of others. And I think I was more like a gentle wind. I was not a tornado. That tornado was stuffed deep inside. It was stuffed deep inside with the food that I was binging on that got me to 210 pounds. 
the food that had me holding a phone in my hand one night thinking that my stomach was going to burst and I would call 911 except I was too embarrassed to do that. That held the tornado in and I just roared through people's lives as a gentle tornado. I'd been brought up to believe that it was up to me to keep the family together and I was responsible. And if they would just follow my script, everything would be all right. But if they got off, everything was going to fall apart. So gently, I went through people's lives from my selfish and inconsiderate habits. It was all about Mary. And in my second marriage, and I come up here into the last paragraph, um, when we got married, I was married 18 years ago, remarried, and I picked up the food again. And my knight in shining, I didn't gain weight, I didn't, um, I don't know, didn't do anything. I just got back into my alcoholic foods. And my knight in shining armor got on his white horse, which was a white Ford 250 pickup truck, rode off into the sunset two or three times in the first year. Just amazing that I could see what a change it made in me. And I called my sponsor one day and I said, you know, he's gone again. And isn't it funny, but every time this happens, I'm in the food. Well, obviously, I was able to make amends to this man. And realizing, because we're still married, and realizing that the most important thing is the living amends. And I was finally able to look outside of myself. As I continue, thank you, dear. As I, I will close now. As I continued to work the program and got away from Mary and outside of myself. And today, that resentment prayer, God bless him or her, and change me. And we treat all people with kindly, with patience, tolerance, kindliness, and love. These are words that are repeated in my day many times. I am so grateful, and I am so grateful for the opportunity to be of service this morning. Thank you, and thank you, Maura, for your service. Thank you, Mary B. Thank you very much. Okay, lots to cover. Good stuff here. Saying your name one time, please, clearly, and let's see who would like to share on this this morning. Matt Curious. M. Julie R. Matt Larry, M. Larry K. Julie R. R. Barbara okay. E. Larry. Barbara E. Reva P. Reva P. Cynthia C. Cynthia Leslie C. W. Leslie W. Okay, that's a good group. This is who I have. Matt M., Julie R., Larry K., 
Barbara E., Reva P., Cynthia C., and Leslie W. Okay, Matt, would you get us started, please? Can you hear me, Laura? Yes, thank you. Thank you for your service, Laura. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M. Compulsive Overeater from New Jersey. I wish I could say recovered, but I can't yet. Um, yeah, this, this, this reading really, really speaks to me about the tornado roaring outside. Well, my, I like the tornado roaring outside, and like the farmer that when the wind popped my head out of the storm cellar, oh, hey, grand, the wind stopped blowing. Uh, I didn't want to see my part in things, how much I hurt people, how much I used people, and used them like Kleenex and threw them away. But I can get you whatever money I can get out of them, whatever a companionship I can get out of them, whatever, anything food I can get out of them, and then I would just leave them alone and not bother with them until the next time, the next event. And, uh, I was I didn't I didn't have friends. I took hostages, you know. I didn't ha I didn't know what it was to be a good friend to somebody because I only wanted things from people, not I didn't want to give anything to people. And I'm still trying to be a better friend to people. I'm not a perfect friend. Um I make mistakes. I I do have to depend on people for rides. Um but uh I just hung out with someone this past weekend and uh, I know that he liked he liked me and he wanted to hook up with me but I just wanted to get out of the house. So I kind of felt like I used him a little bit to get out of the house and uh I made me uncomfortable a little bit when I went there and uh I had I have I don't know if I should make an amends about that or not. I have to talk to my sponsor about that but uh you know, it's this kind of thing that I have to really watch my behavior and keep my behavior above, above par. It's not them, it's about me. Let it, let it begin with me. And I'm grateful today that I can see where my, my part in things are much more easy. I'm not easier. I'm not eating always perfect with that, but uh, sometimes I need an outside source to help me see my part in things sometimes because I'm so too close to the situation. But uh, that's why I have friends and, um, who can, like, keep me on track when I need them or a sponsor. But I'm grateful just for today. I can recognize my... My weaknesses, my character defects, much more easier than I did and was able to do in the past, and I'm grateful for that. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thanks, Madam. Julie R., it's your turn, followed by Larry K. Hi, thanks, Mara. Julie R., recovered in California. You know, this is, um, they're all my favorite, but I used this paragraph about the tornado roaring in his life the lives of others a lot with my sponsees or when I'm I'm talking to newly recovered people because that's how my mind would think. You know, hey, I'm coming out of the house, everything is done, I'm I'm my rampage is over, um, you know, I'm back to being a loving, caring, kind mom, but I have left all this mess. And thank God I don't I don't do that. But, you know, you can do this type of behavior in abstinence. You notice I don't say in recovery, but in abstinence. And, you know, when he says here, we feel that a man is unthinking when he says that sobriety is enough. You know, back in the day, it was like, okay, you know, I could have yelled at my husband, kicked the dog. I would never kick a dog, but I'm just using that as an analogy. But I was abstinent. As long as I was abstinent, it was a good day. That is so far from the truth. Abstinence is just the bare beginning because I have to have that psychic change. I have to think, act, behave differently. And if I just have abstinence, I'm still going to be that same out-of-control person. I'm just not going to be eating over it, but I'm going to be doing all these other things. And on the next page, it talks about that there is a long period of reconstruction ahead. We must take the lead. A remorseful mumbling that we are sorry won't fill the bill. You know, 
I created a lot of harms in my life, you know, family, friends, coworkers, uh, whatever. And when I um, was getting ready to make my amends, my big book sponsor um, years ago said, do not use the word sorry. People have heard you say that so many times. It's just a word when it comes out of your mouth. You have to show action. So I use words like the big book. I regret um, the action that I did and lifting or whatever, but I use that word sorry. Sorry, sorry, won't do it again. Sorry, won't do it again. And of course I did it again. So when I, I work with my sponsees, that word sorry is never in their amends because it's, we've used that word so much. Another broken promise. Oh, here she goes again. She's doing the same thing. Watch, she's going to come and say she's sorry. You know, so we clean house. And every morning before I get out of bed, I ask my creator to show me about patience, tolerance, kindness, and love because I wake up untreated. So before I go get my coffee, before I get on Facebook, before I start working, I have got to get centered and be, get into that space of, of who I really am. So, you know, sorry, I don't use that word anymore. Um, even at work, if I make a mistake, I don't use sorry because it's a bad word to me because I abused it so much. And I am so glad today I am not a tornado rolling around and causing Gentle havoc. reminder. Oh, but you could just say time. <laughs> Thanks, time. I'm done. <laughs> Thank you, Julie Okay, Larry K. Followed Laura. by Barbara E. Larry. How are you? I'm can good. you hear me okay? Good, good. I guess I, I can. can. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Larry K recovered compulsive overeater from Chicago. Um, it says uh that well it talks a little bit about Sometimes we hear an alcoholic say that the only thing he needs to do is keep sober. You know, in, in, in one of the other programs, 12-step programs I'm in, they, they talk about at the beginning of the meeting, it's kind of a rambunctious group of people, and they say, uh, who wants to serve as a temporary uh, sponsor? And, you know, people raise their hand, and then they kind of tongue-in-cheek, well, well, temporary sobriety, we'll offer you, you know, take one of these temporary sponsors. It's kind of the same thing here. You know, who, who, wants, who wants a diet? I got one for you. You know what? Temporary abstinence. Temporary in the sense that, you know, a diet with group support. Now, if you're not a compulsive overeater like me, that may be a lifetime plan for you. might work. But if you're like me, you've got the twofold nature of this disease, the allergy of the body, the obsession of the mind, the mental twist. If you've got those things, it talks about in the doctor's opinion, Nothing but a spiritual awakening will be sufficient to drive out that obsession. You want a temporary diet? You can come here. You can, you can come every day on this line and you can get entertained maybe. You can get moved, motivated to stay on your diet for one more day. If you want to be brought to a state of recovery, recovered state, by the grace of your higher power, the one of your own understanding, uh, you, need, you need this program of action, the 12 steps, sufficient to drive out that obsession to bring you into alignment with your higher power. I know for me, when I read that today, I, I, I think there's so many people like me. Uh, I, I was someone who came every day. I showed up. I would have earned A for, for effort. I went to meetings. I read. I'm, I'm a good memorizer. 
I could, so I could spew out of my mouth all the cute little things that we have, some that are very helpful. The problem was I wasn't recovered, and I couldn't earn my recovery by being a good little boy, or in my case, a big, big boy. Couldn't do it. It wasn't about earning it. It was about working these steps in sequence and changing by the grace of God. God changed me. Temporary sobriety, temporary abstinence, to me, that's about the worst thing one can have for me because it's horrible to get up day after day. Horrible was my feeling. Maybe yours is different. So we have to, we're in step nine here. and Yeah, we have to be willing to go through the entire process. We can't treat it like a salad bar, right? Have a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Nah, I don't want to do that. No, we have to, we have to complete this program, follow these steps in their entirety, and then we get a change, a God-centered change. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks, Larry Kay. Barbara E., it is your turn, followed by Reva P. Thank you so much, Maura. Thank you for your service, and thank you, everybody. I love this meeting. It reminds me every day in my zeal to get down here on time. Um, this meeting always reminds me every day as I sit here to say the set-aside prayer for, and ask for tolerance, kindness, and love and, and understanding for other people. It, this meeting always gives me food for thought, not food for my plate. Yesterday, it was to go to my step sponsor for her thoughts on two amends that I did not make directly to the person or institution, but that I did through a contribution and actions of living amends, commensurate to the harm I'd done, rather than to go to the source, as that man did when he stood up in front of the congregation without going to the man or the family. Yesterday, someone asked me about how to make an anonymous amends. What a wonderful question. It gave me pause for thought, how to do that. But today, today, I was indeed like that farmer who came out and only saw the forest for the trees. I remember my first sponsor telling me I was like a dry drunk. I'd gotten the physical down pat. I thought that abstinence and weight loss was the only thing necessary. The emotional and spiritual aspect, I didn't think I needed to pick up. It was only last year, well, actually only maybe six months ago and 21 years into the program when I said, this is not enough. I am like that hurricane roaring through the town. I have lost the weight. I am abstinent, but I haven't improved my relations with the important people in my life, my nuclear family. There are amends I can never make to my mom for her last week of life when I truly, truly believe that she was immortal. Even though she was almost 100 and in the hospital, I was not the warm, present person in mind and, and spirit, even though I was there in body. If I could, I would go back, but I can't. So I have to let go of that and just know that she loves me, understands me. God loves me and understands me. And I just did the best I could 
while she lived for the first 99 years of her life. I have I can only do what I can. And like it said here, I don't focus with my family on spiritual recovery, on emotional Mental recovery. Thank you so much. I love this meeting. I pass. Thank you, Barbara E. Reva P., it is your turn, followed by Cynthia C. Good morning, Maura. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. Uh, The image of the tornado reminds me that certainly when I was in the food, I was so fogged out and numbed out. I rammed my way through life and through people, um, definitely. But you know what? With abstinence only or those few hours that became less and less as time went on where I was a dry drunk, um, I was even crazier. I was even a bigger tornado because I was so driven by that restless, irritable, discontent feeling and trying to control the food. God forbid somebody was in my path who wasn't following my script. Like they were just um, punished. So um, thank you, God. By doing the steps, and here we are in step nine, where I've uncovered the defects. I see them for what they are. I've asked and been willing to have them removed and it's telling me that that is not enough because I've done devastation in the past that's going to take a long time to reconstruct and um, change and I can continue which is why I need 10, 11 and 12 to do that devastation if I don't stay close to the steps um, and do what I need to do. And this prayer at the end, asking each morning, um, reminds me, I do the work, and then it's my higher power who gives me the ability. By nature, I'm not patient, tolerant, kind, and loving. I'm not. I want people to do what I want them to do. Um, So I need to ask a power greater than me to help me do that. Um, And by just doing the footwork, God grants me um, those skills. And the word tolerance really struck me this morning because tolerance is, you know, reminds me I don't have to be right anymore and I don't have to keep trying to change and make people the way I want them to be so that I can be uncomfortable, so I can, so I can be comfortable because it's really uncomfortable when people don't follow my script. So tonight my son is coming home from school from his summer semester, so I get the opportunity to be tolerant kind and loving and God will enable me to do that Um, and even small things like tolerance kindliness and love is sometimes doing what I know what the other person would appreciate like if my husband's watching golf let him watch his golf and not interrupt him five times by asking him things because that's important to him so small things and big things in the past um, it's all about changing by switching my perception and thinking about what is right for the other person as opposed to what I want. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. Cynthia C., it's your turn, followed by Leslie W. Thank you so much for your service, and thank you, everybody, for sharing this morning. This is... um, 
This is so good to read this morning, almost to the degree that it feels a little painful because it is so timely. Um, we have three teenage girls going into their senior year um, this year, and they all had, were away for a good part of the summer. And as of yesterday, all three of them have returned. And um, I owe them, I, I've made my amends to them, but uh, my formal amends, but I owe them a big living amends because it was literally this tornado. I was so controlling. Um, I always felt like because we had triplets that life felt out of control and I was always on high alert and I never knew I never knew how to come down from the high alert. And so I was like a tornado. I mean my whole life I've been like a tornado. Internally I felt like it was a whirlwind. Um, but I think externally it was a tornado roaring through everybody's lives at home. Um, and that had a negative effect on my kids. They fight a lot with each other, and they've all come home now, and they're all exhausted. They're on different time zones. Um, and they all had amazing summers, but they're back now, and they fight so much between themselves in such mean ways, you know, and the difference today is that I'm staying calm. I didn't stay calm before. I made their fighting and their issues about me, how it affected me, you know, so today I have the opportunity. Um, it's not all about me today. And my living amends to them is it's not about me today. And part of that means that I need to take care of myself and not feel resentful. I need to make sure that I have time for meetings, and I have time to make my food, and I have time to, you know, exercise, um, and yet still figure out, which I have to pray about, is how, how, do, how do I stay there? How am I present for them in a calm way? And I know I have a lot of praying to do to figure out how do I support them? Uh, how do I support them as a family, and how do I support them as individual um, young women um, you know, in this very stressful year for them. You know, I pray that um, that they stop fighting, but that is something, you know, my husband and I fought a lot. And it's amazing to me that now that I am working the steps in step nine, you know, living in steps 10, 11, and 12, how much less my husband and I fight. You know, that if I remember who I am, that I am, you know, I am an, I'm a food addict, I'm a compulsive overeater, I cannot afford any I cannot afford resentments. If I have to, I do any number of ten steps a day um, and say my prayers all the time. And my relationship with my husband is much better. I have a lot of fear now that my kids are back on what happens in our family and what my reaction will be. And so I just need to pray about it because I need help. I need to. I've been meditating the past few mornings. Thank you. And I just need to ask my higher power to show me the way of patience, tolerance, and kindliness and love. And I get a lot of that from hearing this meeting. Just thank you for your guidance. Uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Cynthia. Leslie W., it is your turn. Thank you, Maura. This is Leslie W. Can I be heard? Yes, thank you. Thank you. Leslie W., recovered compulsive overeater in Tennessee. And as a little kid, when I did something wrong, I always wanted my punishment right away, you know, because I hated to sit in that uncomfortable <laughs> waiting period of feeling like I just really screwed up. Um, 
I wanted that punishment to be swift, and I wanted it to wipe away all my mistakes immediately um, and to be tied up into a nice, neat little bow. And I say that because that was the same way that I felt when I, when I began making these amends. You know, I can recall my husband telling me, Leslie, you've got a long way to go. And I knew that. He felt betrayed by my behavior and my empty promises. He felt ignored and neglected by me because he was. Uh, He was worn down by my selfish and inconsiderate habits, which kept my home in turmoil. I felt the time would never come when I would be reconciled to him. And if my food wasn't taking me away from my ability to be attentive in my marriage and in my other relationships, then it was my career. If it wasn't my career, it was my children. If it wasn't my children, it was my program. Um, the bottom line is he, he was always at the end of the, He was always at the end of the line. You know, my point, my point being that it was always, he, he, he was the guy, he was the person that I was always saying to myself, okay, well, I'll get to that. I'll get to him. I'll get to him. Let me get my food under control. You know, let me, um, let me get this, 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 this mothering thing under control. Let me get this down. Let me get that. Let me do this. Let me do that first. You know, let me get this abstinence thing worked out. <laughs> and it just took a toll. It just, it just took a toll on him. And the process of making amends to my husband really seemed to be an insurmountable task and one that I could not accomplish alone. And I honestly didn't know if I could do it. So I asked God for help. Um, You know, when when my husband sat me down two years ago at our kitchen table and said, I'm done, you know, I thought, well, well, what am I going to do? And that's when I went, that's when I, that's when I went to prayer and I, and I found vision, thank God. And uh, I started hearing real truth and real recovery. And um, I asked God to help shape my sex ideals, to grow my compassion for my husband, and to help me to, to start serving my husband in small ways, dying to self, die to self, so that my true self could be found. And, and what began was me just making coffee for him in the morning, turned into a growing respect, and I watched his heart soften. I watched his heart soften. Gentle reminder. Me. Thank you, Maura. And uh, I just want to say that um, God, God worked a miracle in my marriage. And, um, and there's hope. There's hope out there. If you think that you don't have hope, there's hope. Miracles happen in this program. Restoration happens in this program. And um, at least it did for me. So Thanks. Thank you, Leslie W. Okay, I have some numbers for you. Not necessarily lottery numbers, but they're good ones. So, share IDs. Yesterday's 7 a.m. Share ID for Tuesday, August 8th. 10,248. Yesterday's 10 a.m. share ID. 10,250-10250. And today's share ID, 
10253. And let's get another lineup. Who else would like to share on what was read? And if you joined us late, let me just say that we're on page 82. We started with the second paragraph. We read through three paragraphs, ending at the top of page 83. Melissa, I got you. Michael A. Harlan G. Leah M. Laura M. Leah. Well, you guys are fast. Uh, did I hear Craig? Yes. Yes. Sandy yes. Sandy. Sandy. S is in Sandy? Yes. Jackie B. Jackie B. Okay, let's let's close it there because I want to make sure you all get in and we're gonna be tight. I have Melissa C, Harlan G, Leah M, Craig F, Sandy S, and Jackie B. And that's six people times three is eighteen. We're going to be a little bit over. I don't know if we're going to get to everybody unless everybody wants to do a two-minute share. But Melissa C., it is your turn, followed by Harlan G. Hi. Good morning. It's Melissa C. Are you able to hear me? Yes, thank you. Hi. Great. Good morning. Um, Melissa C. recovered in New York. And, um, you know, what really jumps out at me this morning is um, the, the we must take the lead. Like, um and that, uh, what does that mean? You know, it, it, it kind of means for me, um, forget fairness. Like, there, it's not going to be even. Um, because I have, I have stuff I've got to make up, you know, like. And, you know, so for like years and years, um, when I was eating compulsively, I might not have been a tornado consistently. You know, because I was numb. I was like in a, in a, almost like a, a numbed out, drugged out, zombie of a person. Occasionally, I would like come to, wake up temporarily, have a little fit, a little hissy fit, um, and then retreat again. And you know, and so when I initially put the food down, um, I was like a lunatic for a long time. And in the beginning. Was all well. Let me just let me just be abstinent. Let me just be abstinent. Isn't that enough? Isn't that enough? Everybody should like you know walk on eggshells to keep mom <laughs> together, and um, that only you know that that gets old really quick. And so, you know, today like being this recovered person, I still have um, tendencies to I'm human, so I still get like pissy, and you know like nothing sets me off quite as cleaning the house and then people making a mess. And, you know, thank you, God, on one hand, I have people in my life that I love that, I that you know, continue to live with me who make messes. Like, I'm blessed, you know. Um, and, but for the longest time, I would throw this fit and then apologize. You know, throw a fit and then apologize. And um, that's not the the road ahead. You know, the road ahead is like, if I'm saying I'm sorry over and over again and it keeps coming up on a review, on a nightly review, um, then I haven't really made the amend. And so it's not going to be fair. And when I think about what my role is as taking the lead, um, it, it means it's not even. So like, yep, my my role might be to clean the house and I'm going to have to suck it up. And it's not always going to look the way that I left it. And it seems like such a petty thing 
to be like zoning in on, um, but that's the reality for me. And so if I come downstairs after cleaning the house before I went to bed and it's, and it's not perfect, part of taking the lead is patience, loving, tolerance, kindness, um, not just to throw a fit and then say, I'm sorry, you know, um, thank you with that. I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Harlan G., it's your turn, followed by Leah M. Thank you, Maura, and thank you to Team Wednesday for making this magnificent meeting possible. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. And when I was in the immense process of my go-around with this, I had to look around and I had to see the horrible, horrible nightmare of what this disease is. Not only had I hurt myself, but anybody that I loved very much that was closest to me, I hurt. I hurt people that I loved. I hurt people that loved me. I looked people in the eye that loved me from the time I was born, and I lied right to their face, and I took their money. I did shameful things that made me want to die. I did shameful things that made me want to eat. I did shameful things that make me want to isolate. And the most amazing thing about this is as much as I hurt me and as much as I hurt the people closest to me, if I don't walk my steps, I will do it yet again, and it will make perfect sense to me that I'm doing it now if I didn't work my steps as it did then so many years ago. This disease is an illness. It's a plague. It's a plague. The Yiddish word for plague sounds like English. It's plague, plague. And that's what this disease is in my life. It ransacked me, and it ransacked everybody. Now, the most beautiful part of this is, and this is what I'll close with is, in the recovery, not only am I a better friend to myself, I'm a better, more available friend to the people closest to me. And instead of being a liability and a blood-sucking liability in their life, I can become an asset in their life, someone that they know that they'll hear truth from, someone that can love them and someone that can let them love me back. And this is the power of the recovery that is the most beautiful thing to experience. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Harlan G. Maya M., it is your turn, followed by Craig F. Yes, good morning and thank you. Uh, Hearts are broken, sweet relations are dead. You know, uh, that passage reminds me of page 18 where it says, illness of this sort, and we have come to believe it an illness, involves those about us in a way no other human sickness can. And so true, Um, you know, even though I was young, (laughs) 
um, you know, 23 years of age when I started this recovery process, um, I had certainly torn through lives, relationships, um, and, you know, was in a new marriage and uh, quickly destroying that to the, you know, point of threat of divorce. I was a great creator of disharmony. Um, You know, it was like walking through a landmine. You never knew what to expect from me. I was many times emotionally detached, many times angry, many times sullen, many times depressed, withdrawn, uh, and then I'd be happy. Um, You know, there was no stability because I was not tethered to anything except for self. And, uh, you know, I remember newly married having one of my... uh, you know, frequent rages in in the bedroom and, uh, you know, trying to have a conversation with my husband at the same time. And, you know, he looked at me and he said, when you're ready to act like an adult, I'll be happy to converse with you and walked out of the bedroom and closed the door. And, you know, that is just a small snapshot of the way I behaved because I was like a creator of chaos because internally, Internally, I was chaotic. Um, I didn't understand, you know, I just was like, you know, my my analogy of just, you know, those old-fashioned pinball machines, you pull back the spring and that ball catapults through the machinery, ding, 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 the lights are going on, the bumpers are going, you know, and you're just sprung from circumstance to situations to conversation to people, nothing tethered except for self, whatever I felt at that moment, that's what was expressed. I didn't understand there was a higher mind. There was a spirit-guided mind. I had no clue. I had no clue. Despite years of involvement with psychology, with therapy and self-help, I did not see the defects, the old ideas, attitudes, and self-centeredness that was dominating me. I did not understand that. I Neither did I know that the steps were going to tear down that prison that I had built around me, and by tearing it down, character building was actually going to be accomplished because we were going to get rid of the things which, uh, you know, which were not needed. Um, and this process, this amends process, you know, began a renewal, this whole step process um, from a life of just wrapping up, a life of disharmony to harmony. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah M. Craig F., it's your turn, followed by Sandy F. This is Craig. I was on mute. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. If you could speak up a little louder. Okay. Um, this is Craig F., recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I don't know about the rest of you guys, but after three days of talking about extramarital affairs, it's good to move on to something more general. Um that was getting a little bit uh, too close to home. The uh, um, I, I was uh, married for 20 years and uh, not successfully. Um, and when I was going through the divorce, um, I was said to my friend, a friend of mine, I don't know why she's like that. She wasn't like that when we got married, you know. And he said, uh, well, maybe it was being married to your sorry ass for 20 years that. Uh, Causes causes her to be that way, and and uh, it was kind of it took me back. You know, she changed. I didn't see that I had, but the truth of the matter was that uh, I I, um, I have this uh, 
self-centered disease, and the self-centered disease causes me to be emotionally absent. Now, it's not, uh, I, I wasn't uh, physically or, or uh, verbally abusive. I, I just wasn't there. Uh, even when I was there, sometimes I wasn't there. But mostly, if things weren't going my way or my script wasn't being followed, I just went away. I, 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 had, I had work to do. You know, I, I, which was always a great excuse. Or when I was in college, I had studying to do. Uh, and you know, if you treat something, uh, even a dog, uh, by beating them one minute and loving on them the next, they get pretty confused. Uh, if you uh, uh, leave them alone too long, without any affection, they get pretty confused. And and uh, you know, people especially. Um, it, there was no consistency uh, and uh, no no loving consistency in in my behavior and my attitudes and and I had to look at that across the whole spectrum of my uh, uh, my relationships. You know, I used to complain that my parents never called me. You know, they they go years at a time without talking to them, and then you know I knew they loved me, but they would be absent. But you know, the, the fact that I had to get in touch with was that I didn't call them either. You know, they were the the depression generation where uh, they didn't make long-distance calls. They they wouldn't spend a dime on a long-distance call if they could help it because, you know, the world might crash tomorrow and they might need that money. And and that was it for them. For me, it was, uh, uh, if you're not going to call me, I'm not going to call you. It was absence. It was not being... uh, not being a loving son, not being a loving uh, father, not being a loving uh, husband on a regular and consistent basis. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm still self-centered, and I, I still work on that, and and I'm still uh, struggling with being uh, loving. Gentle reminder. Thank you. Loving and consistent in the lives of my of my children and of the people that love me. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks, Craig F. Um, Sandy S., it's your turn. You have two minutes. And Jackie B., if you can hang on for the second meeting, that would be great. I'm sorry we can't get to you today. Sandy S.? Yes, hi. This is Sandy S. Can you hear me? I can. Thank you. Okay. Recovered compulsive overeater the first time I said that on this line. Um, the amends I'm making today is to my mother. I don't even know if she's alive. I mean, this is, like, pretty upsetting. Um, you know, I called her last night. She's not doing too well. And she said, I'm not feeling right. I'm going to rest, and I'll call you back. She's in Florida. I'm in North Carolina. And my amends to her was that I will be there for her, you know, whenever she needs me. Uh, she's probably the person I did the most harm to by lying. She lost everything financially. Um, you know, not that I willy-nilly did it. It's part of my sick family where my father pitted, helped pit me against my mother, but this is it. This is it. I just really pray that she's alive. If she's not, she's not, you know. But um, the biggest thing for me, uh, God could do for me what, he could not, what I could not do for myself. I've always doubted myself. I always felt I was never enough. And this, this is the test. I mean, can I go there? First of all, I drive for 11 hours. Can I pack up all my stuff? 
and that's what I'm doing now. And can I be a loving presence rather than a terrified presence? My mother had 70 years of me telling her how much I hated myself and was always kind about it. And I said, how did you spare me for 70 years? And she said, Sandy, I thought it would help you. And she's so happy. This is what she said to me. You're this new person. You're a happy person. And I will tell you, that is the greatest gift I could give my mother, to have a relationship with God, to be happy, joyous, and free. And she asked me to mail her a big book, which I did. And uh, we said the acceptance prayer together. That was one of our last conversations. And with that, I passed. Thank you, Sandy S. Okay. It is now um, time to close. So thank you to everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And as a reminder, today's share ID for Wednesday, August 9th is 10,253-10253. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Nadia B. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Sure thing, Maura. This is Nadia B., grateful, recovered, compulsive reader in Connecticut. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us, as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.